Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Well, good morning. Can you guys hear me? I can hear me. I guess I... That's all that matters, right? <laughs> so. so let's pray. Father, thank you for <laughs> thank you for the opportunity to gather. So thank you for for just being so faithful to us, so so kind to us, for, for loving us, for sending your son Jesus for us, and just just for all that not just that you do, but that you've already done and and more important to that, all that you are. And so we thank you for that, Father. Holy Spirit, speak through me, and I'll get to that tonight, or this morning. I'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can see I'm on top of it this morning. Right? It's nighttime somewhere. Right? I was driving up here, and with all, everybody see, made the time change, right? Which was really good, so I was getting up, and I was like, like man, I think I'm running on time, and then... Linda's like, like, did you check the other, did you change the other clocks? And I was like, no. And she goes, what if the, what if the um, cell phone's wrong? And then she sent a momentary panic <laughs> in me. And I was like, I ran in and looked and, oh, yeah, I got plenty of time. I'm good. I did it right. Yay. And so I'm driving to church and I'm thinking, man, this is so awesome. I'm enjoying my drive. And then this white car comes flying around and going, woo, woo, woo. And I looked up and I thought, I bet that's a pastor who forgot to set his <laughs> clock forward. And so I prayed for him. So I was like, thank God that was not me, right? Like my mini keeper used to go fast. My little ranger does not go near as fast. And so um, anyway, I was just thankful to get here. But uh, speaking of fast things, I like fast cars and fast stuff so every once in a while I'll, I'll see articles on cars and stuff but um, there's one of these um, magazines had a headline that caught my eye and so I wanted to share this with you because I thought it was really really spiritual we'll see how spiritual it is but it says this a French fighter jet accidentally launches civilian passenger with ejection seat failure. Okay, now listen to this one more time. Because, like, I had to read it again. It's like sometimes you got this clickbait where, you, where you, they got this headline and then they don't even know what they're talking about in there. It has nothing to do with their headline. But I looked on this, I looked at this, and I was like, I got to check this out. I mean, how can you not, how in the world do you get ejected out of, out of a fighter jet, right? So... Again, it says this. Listen to this headline again. French fighter jet accidentally launches civilian passenger with ejection seat failure. It's like, that couldn't be right. So I read. And it's right. It did happen. So here's the story. Originally, it was unclear what triggered the ejection. Those responsible for investigating wouldn't rule out voluntary involuntary or mechanical failure as causes until they look deeper into the situation. I think that is French for we have no idea what happened. 
right? I'm sitting here thinking, man, maybe you guys shouldn't make fighter jets. Maybe you should stick with French fries and stuff like that, you know? So anyway, it says, however, upon further investigation by the French Investigation Bureau for State Aviation Safety, it was found that a big lack of preparation was to blame. Well, I'm sure, right? Duh, right? Apparently, as this whole ordeal was set up as a surprise, the proper briefing wasn't done. So what happened was this dude built these jets, right? Worked, worked for the company, and so they're like, hey, guess what? We're going to give you a ride in our jet, man, because all these years, and so they're celebrating his retirement, and so they put him in the back seat, and they're taking off, and then this is what happens to him, right? So obviously they're saying there was no preparation, and then, then there was no proper briefing done, and I'm like, how, much, how many times in our life does that happen to us? Like, I see people get launched from horses all the time, and they don't have parachutes, <laughs> right? Sometimes they, they're like yard darts, and they land on their head. If they land on their head, they're good, right? It's uh, when they land on other things that they, they break, right? But <clears throat> anyway, but it's usually because of a lack of preparation, right? And they didn't brief the horse. Hey, by the way, I'm getting ready to swing my leg over, right? So here is like, um, ultimately, the passenger was not informed that the black and yellow striped loop in the middle of his seat between his legs wasn't a grab handle. <laughs> okay, now get this. Like, like, you got in your cars, you got the oh-no handles, like on the passenger seat where you can reach it. It looks like a suitcase or, or a strap in some cars. Like, we got a Mustang, and, like, I look for that. And we don't have that in there. Like, like when there's a certain person that I'm riding with in her car, I look for that thing because she scares me and there's nothing to hang on to. She's got the steering wheel. She's like, like this. And I'm like, what do I do? I just sat down and hope I make it, right? But this dude sitting here, he's looking. Like, he got scared and he's looking for it. So he reaches down between his legs where this ejection seat strap is and he pulls it he pulls it right it was not an oh no strap it was an oh no strap but not the kind he thought right instead what the passenger what instead what the passenger would be yanking on was a trigger for the ejection seat imagine how terrifying the feeling would be trying to level out the emotions of being in a speeding fighter jet combined with the fact that you're now being launched out of the top of the plane. I mean, anybody ever have a day like that? <laughs> like it starts off, great, you're excited, and then you get in the middle of it and you're like, why did I do that? What? Or maybe he was so worried like, I got this experience, and all I could focus on was, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. You know, you never know. What, what, I, like, I've got on a few horses with that mentality, right? I've got in the car with some certain people in a Mustang with that mentality, too, right? But you never know. But to, to make a, a long story short, the dude survived. So he, he made it. He, um, 
hurt his back from the jerk from getting, but other than that, he's good. So, but I thought that was an interesting story because of how it pertains kind of to nothing I'm going to talk about. I just thought it was cool. No, I'm kidding. I shouldn't have this much fun up here. Right? But I was thinking about that, that guy and thinking about all the things that, that could go wrong when you're in a fighter jet or even in life. And I got this horse in to, to help this, this lady. And, man, I've been doing horses a long time, and I've seen two horses that do what she does. And so the one horse, I just, like, after, you know, 10 days, I sent it home. I was like, I'm done with this sucker, you know, because I didn't know what to do with it. And that was years ago. Well, I got this horse in, and she just would pace back and forth, just checked out. And, like, I was like, there's something. Like, a lot of times when a horse comes into a new place, they're, like, a little bit, you know, I'm unsure, and they'll look around and look for other horses. But this was different. And so she'd walk back, walk over like this, and then she'd turn her head and walk over like this and then turn her head. It's almost like a cool little dance, you know? You know? And just do it. And it was like she wasn't even thinking, right? It was just an action. It was just... Like, she was completely out of it. She was so focused on whatever she was focused on. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go in there and get her out of it. So I walk in there to get her out of it, and she rears up and comes at me. Well, that was her second mistake, right? So I made her get back off me, and, and she runs in the corner, and then I walk out, and she goes back. And then I'd step in there, and, like, she didn't even see I was there. She was so worried and so anxious. I was like, what is going on with this horse? So I called a couple of friends. And I was like, like, I learned a long time ago, when you don't know something, don't, don't be afraid to ask smarter people than you, you know? One of the things that helped me when I was on the cold starting challenge tour, I remember I, I did one and then I went on the road and I'm in Colorado and I get there and after the first night, I, I stayed late, and I was talking to the guy who put it on, and I was like, hey, I was like, what can I do to get better? I was like, I don't feel like I'm where I need to be. And he's like, James, he goes, you're awesome. He's like, that's really good what you do. But I was like, I, don't tell me that. I want to know what I can do better. And he's like, well, maybe you could desensitize them a little more while their feet are moving, and then they might unlock a little more. But, but he's like, And so he started giving me these clues. And so I'd be at another challenge, and I'd see a really good hand, and they'd do something, and then I'd try it. But I was always willing to learn, right? Always willing to ask and, and better myself. It wasn't good enough for me for someone to tell me, well, you're good enough. Because I was like, I'm not judging by anybody else but me, and I want to grow. We can do that in our lives with Jesus too, right? We can say, you know what? I'm not going to settle. I want to know you more. I want to know more about you. I want to grow. Because like we're either growing or we're going backwards, Right, come to a place at the national finals where after the first first day, this kid comes up, and um, he was mad about the scores, and he's looking at my scores and seeing really good scores and looking at his, and he's like, like I don't like that. So he's complaining to the guy who puts it on, and he's like, look, he's he's like James works hard at, at groundwork, and he's a, he's as good as there is anywhere. He's like, like you're gonna have to find another way to beat him. <laughs> And I was like, that's the best compliment 
I ever have, but I was an intentional about trying to grow, intentional about finding where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And we can be like that with God too. Say, God, I want to know you more and I'm going to step into who you call me to be and I want to know everything about you, right? But anyway, um, so I called and I was like, what is this? And like, nobody knew. Like, I had a guy, they're like, well, you could put hobbled on her. And I was like, well, I ain't putting hobbled on that horse and a stall will kill each other, you know? And so I finally found a guy who had dealt with it and um, he, and then I did some research on it. And it's actually got a name. It's called a stall walker. So what happens is these horses get separation anxiety. And so they're so focused on what's making them afraid or what's causing them to worry or what they're missing out on that they literally just check out. All they can think about, they're so focused on what can go wrong or what's gone wrong in the past that they don't even know what, what's going on in, in, in the stall. Like, I, I'd get in the stall and stand here, and if she was walking, she'd bump right into me, like, and then keep going, and I'd have to push her off because she was so out of it. They have another name for it. They call them zombie walkers. They call it, it's called the zombie walk. And it's like, like, not like walk like an Egyptian or something like that. They make a cool song, but it's a zombie walk. Can you imagine that? And so I could see it, and I was like, well, what, what do I do? And so the thing that they said that you do is you got to get their attention a little bit and then get them, get their mind. And so if you can break them out of that, then pretty soon they can see that there's someone else there and find break them out of that worry and so I spent a lot of time with her and I finally got her to see me and she saw me for just a minute and then when a horse is really trying to connect with you they'll finally reach out with their nose and they'll touch it like that well she did and then that's all I got I mean talk about skimping on me man it's like broke almost broke my heart but it made me really think about God and about us in our lives, and, and about how so much of the time we can worry, and how we can get so focused on things that are around us, and what, like if it's not the news telling us something, it's, you can't talk to family or people around you that aren't, aren't talking about everything that's going wrong on the planet, right? And pretty soon we get to thinking, well, what if this happens, or what if that happens? And then we're anxious, or we think about, well, this happened in the past, and that happened in the past, and then we get depressed, right? It's like, how? Well, I wish I could have done that better. I wish I could have done this better. And the fact is, is that's, that's, the only, that, that's time travel, guys. Like, you don't need a spaceship, because really what's happening is you're living in the past, right? And God's like, hey, I'm going to get you a DeLorean and a little gray-haired doctor, you know, and we're going to go back to the future, right? Come back to the future and come back to the present and, and get to where we are right now. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. And his presence is present for us right now. We're not going to find it. He, he was with us in the past and he's... He, he, he is and was and will be, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's not in time, but he is omnipresent. He's 
always with us, and we know if he's always with us that, that we're going to be okay. And that's what happened to this little horse. Pretty soon, the next day, she was a little bit better, but she started seeing me as her source because I took some grain in there. I was like, I know. Before, she wasn't going to eat it much, but then she starts eating, and I start messing with her, and pretty soon she's like, wait a second. That's my source. And then her worry started to dissipate. She's like, wait, I got a source. I'm not alone, right? And she got away from that worry, and she got present. And the moment she got present, it changed what was going on in the inside of her. Does that make sense? And so that's really been on my heart is I, I want to encourage people, let's be present, right? Let's not worry about what's going on in the past or what's going on in the future. Now, I've been reading in here, we've been in Genesis, and I'm actually going to go backwards from what I did this morning, just because I can. Okay? So, um, we got, last week we were talking about Abram, and um, we see Abram coming up into verse, or chapter 15, but Abram, like, he's, he's a character, man, because, like, he starts off, and God says, I want you to get up and I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. And the dude does it, right? He just does it. So you think, well, this is a man of great faith, like God just told him and he just did it. God even credits him with faith. But he gets to the land that God was going to show him. And you know what, was, what happened? There's a famine. Can you imagine if I'd have been Abraham? I'd have been mad, right? Dude, you told me you're taking me to land, and this land is desolate, and there's a famine, and there's no water, and there's nothing. Thanks, dude. Right? But it says he went on. It doesn't say what his attitude was like. But well, I, I can just tell you what my attitude would have been. I'd have been like, I'm out of here, dude. But he didn't. So he goes to Egypt. And so he gets to Egypt, and he's like, honey, you're too beautiful. If the king sees you... He's going to kill me so you could be his wife. So how about instead of just going somewhere else or doing something different, I'll just, give, I'll just tell him you're my sister and I'll give you to him. And she bought it. Right? And you know what? God said, you know something, Abram? I promised you this and because I promised you that, this, that, that, and you messed up, you don't get what I promised you. No, he didn't. Do you know what happened? Abram got blessed even more. He got his wife back and his money back. It's like playing a country song backwards. <laughs> right? Got everything back and he got blessed beyond what he thought. So you think, okay, he's got it going on now. Abram's figuring it out. He messed up and God's going to bless him. you know what he does? Gives her away again. He really figured that out, didn't he? Then he's coming back up and, and from that victory, and he's starting to grow. So Lot leaves, and then to, to Sodom, and then they get taken. and So he's got 318 men, and they go, go kick tail ends and, and win, get, get them back. And they're coming back, and the king of Sodom and all these dudes are meeting him in the, in the valley, and, and so is Melchizedek. And he's, he's like, Melchizedek? He goes, since you're a priest in the order of... Uh, of righteousness and peace and of God, guess what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to give you a tenth of everything I have, which meant for a, for a Jewish person, for Hebrew, it means everything, right? But then the kings started to come to give him their money, right, and give him a, a bounty from what he got. He's like, I don't want nothing from you because I only want, I don't want you to think you made me rich because God's the one who done it, right? So you would think, okay, Abraham's in a good place. Like, there's no zombie walking now, right? He, he's got it figured out. He's not going to worry. He's not going to fret because he knows God's going to make a way for him. Look what God's done for him. Then the very next chapter starts off with this. After this, actually it starts off with after, and then it goes to this, but... It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. You know what's really cool is most of the time when I, when I hear the words, do not be afraid, the reason they're telling me that is because I'm afraid. Right? Am I the only one? I mean, all the times in the Bible, it's usually because an angel's showing up or because they're in a bad situation. Right? And they're, they're fearful and they're afraid. And so God's like, hey, don't be afraid, Abram. And then he says this, I'm your shield. I'm your great reward. So if he's saying, if he's afraid and then he says, don't worry, I'm your shield. Maybe Abram was feeling a little vulnerable. Maybe he felt like God wasn't protecting him. Maybe he felt like, like he, he didn't have, God didn't have his back. Right? Or he says, you're very great reward. Maybe he's like, man, God, I could have had all this stuff, but I didn't take it. You're supposed to be my reward. I gave you a tenth, right? And now look, I didn't get anything out of it, and it's going really bad. And then Abram says, but, oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. Okay, so here he is. He, he's like, after this great victory, after trusting God and get, saying, I'm giving you everything, there was still one thing that he did not give. There was still one worry for sure that he's like, but God, you said this. And, and so now he's starting to plan. He's like, you know, you promised me this, God, but I'm not sure you're going to come through. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to Eleazar. And so he's already going through his mind, planning on God not doing what God promised that he was going to do. Now, am I the only one who's ever done that? Is it? Am I the only one who ever worries in here? I mean, oh, I am. Oh, no. Right? Right? We get into this. Abram's not alone. God's given us these great and precious promises. And he said, I'm going to take care of you. And I will bless you. And I will keep you. And I'll be with you. And he, he's like, you know what? All of my promises are yes and amen. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it's done. No, he didn't say it's done. I'm out of here, boys. He said, it is finished. He said, it's finished completely, completely finished. I've got you covered. Your righteousness is completely done, completely finished, and it's not based upon what you do. It's based upon what Jesus done. You can't earn it. You can't keep it. 
It's all about His grace. Now, when, when we realize that and we, we realize we're righteous in Him, then we start living up to who we are. But it doesn't make us any more righteous in the moment that we accepted Jesus as our Savior. And that's good news. Right? And so, it's done. So, Abraham could have trusted God. And you'll find out that he does. But right in the midst of his planning on what he's going to do if God doesn't come through for him. Planning on what he's going to do it, it, um, and making his own way. Guess what happens? God comes to him. Ever do that to you? Anybody else? Is that, am I the only one in here that's done that? Right? Oh, I'm, I've got a backup plan, right? I've got a plan B, C, D, E, all the way to Z, and I almost need another alphabet. Right? God, if you don't come through this... God's like, relax, I got this. I'm going to make a way for you where there seems to be no way if you'll just trust me. It's just that simple, right? It's just that simple. And so here he is. Man, God, you know what he's really telling God is like, I don't trust you. I don't think you're going to keep your word. And so God gets mad at him again. Says, you sorry sucker, man. I thought you were going to believe me, and you didn't, so I'm going to go get someone else. No. He says this to him. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Ever been so downtrodden, going through so much, so worried? And then God just comes in and speaks to you. And he just loves you, and he's just like, I've got this, son. I got this, daughter. Just trust me. He said, if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give us good things? I didn't say that here. I'll read what he said here. Pastor James, you're in the wrong part. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And then he took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. He gave him something to look at, something that he couldn't see that was immeasurable. He saw the stars. Whoa! That's my offspring, right? And saw the sand. Whoa, that's what... And so every time he, he was looking up at night, he could see it. And when he's walking in the day, if he got down, he could be looking down. Oh, wait, but God's promise. God's the lifter of our head. And, and he'll keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And that good news? That gives us hope, Right? And then he said this, And Abram believed the Lord, and he credited, credited it to him as righteousness. Like, Abraham believed him. He's like, wow, God, that's so awesome. Thank you for that. So we can believe God. 
we can trust God and we can know. Well, you're like, well, you're going in the Old Testament, Pastor James, so I'm sure it don't talk about that in the New Testament. I'm glad you're right because I'm going to show you how right you are. It says in Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is life is not life more important than food and the body and more important than clothes. He's like, we're worried about all this stuff, all these things, and God's like, I've got you taken care of. That horse... Zombie walking. I'm probably thinking, am I ever going to eat again? Am I ever going to be free again? And then I come and she finds out, wait a second. He's the source. This is where my food comes from. This is where my hope comes from. This is, and pretty soon she's connecting to me. And that's what God's saying. I'm your source. Not what's out in the world. I'm your source. And I'll make a way. He says, is not life more important than food and body than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or soar away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Man, he gave his son Jesus for you. How much more valuable does that make you? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying, Seek me. Seek my kingdom. Seek my righteousness, not your righteousness. And I got your back, man. Trust me. Right? It goes on and says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Amen. Good Lord. Right? Then it says this. Rejoice. Philippians 4, 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. No. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going my way. Rejoice in the Lord when I get blessed. No, it says rejoice in the Lord always. And I looked up the Greek word for always, and it means always. <laughs> right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then he says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, any fear that we have does not come from God. First Timothy tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. 
but of power and love and a sound mind. Any, of that, any fear that comes up is not from God. Right? Now there is wise things. If a bear's chasing you, it's a different kind of fear, guys. That's run, right? At least outrun the person you're with. And it says this, in the peace of God which transcends all understanding or passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for just loving us and being so kind to us. We just trust you, and I just pray for strength and hope and just speak to our hearts and let us know you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.